Scripture shapes the lives of billions of people around the world. Yet scriptures, both the Bible and the Qur'an, only gain meaning when they are interpreted by the human mind. Minding Scripture, a podcast from the Department of Theology at the University of Notre Dame, explores the meaning of reason with the scriptures of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Jesus is not only the central figure of the New Testament, he is also an important figure in the Qur'an, the Islamic scripture. What role does he play in the Qur'an? How do scholars and Muslim believers see Jesus and his relationship to the Prophet Muhammad? Does belief in Jesus join together Muslims and Christians? These are some of the questions we will explore today on Minding Scripture. I am Gabriel Said Reynolds, Professor of Islamic Studies and Theology in the World Religions World Church Program at Notre Dame. Joining me are Professor Francesca Murphy. Hi. And Professor Munim Suri. Thank you for having me here. Professor Suri will be our main conversation partner in discussing the figure of Jesus in the Quran today. He is the author of Scriptural Polemics, the Quran and Other Religions, published by Oxford University Press in 2014. Professor Suri, Munim, I thought we would begin with a more general approach to the figure of Jesus, taking into account that in the Quran, he is one of the prophets. And it's important, I think, to appreciate the central place that prophets generally, Jesus among them, play in the Quran, their central role. Could you give us a view of the role that the prophets play in the relationship between God and humanity in the Quran? Sure, yes. Jesus is one of the Muslim prophets, even one of the greatest prophets in Islam. And there are several terms used in the Quran to refer to prophets. The most common of, of them is the word Rasul, and it's um, plural, uh, which appear in the Quran more than 200 times, which means someone who is sent or messenger. Another term used in the Quran is the word Nabi, uh, cognate with Hebrew biblical uh, right. term, yeah. which means someone who brings news. Yeah. And it appears about uh, 50 times in the Quran. So. Yes, Jesus is one of the greatest prophets, and he is, along with other prophets, are mentioned in the Quran. So at least there are 25 prophets mentioned in the Quran by names. And I wonder, maybe just to give uh, more of a perspective on who these prophets are, it's, sure. it's worth pointing out, and we've covered that in, on this um, podcast before, but you know, with the first of the prophets, at least according to Islamic tradition, is already Adam, right? And, right. and many of the biblical prophets are included. Right. Are there any prophets that aren't in the Old Testament or the New Testament? Are there any prophets from outside of Christian tradition? Well, John the Baptist is one of the prophets in Islam. So certainly, uh, non-Old Testament prophets is also mentioned in the Quran. But then we also have the Arab prophets, the so-called Arab prophets, So there prophets, are prophets right? from beyond Scripture altogether? Right. Right. So we don't even distinguish between yes. whether one is a biblical yes, prophet yeah, or yeah, non-biblical yeah. prophets, yeah. because the Quran stipulates Muslims to believe in all of those prophets. And the Quran is very explicit that some of those prophets are not mentioned in the Quran. The, the Quran said, meaning that some of them we do not tell you about their stories. So if you look, if you look at the, the Muslim tradition, the prophetic tradition, it is reported that the total number of messenger, the Rasul, is 315. And the total, total number of Nabi or prophet right. is 1,000. Even you know, in, in other sources, 
the total number of a prophet is more than 224,000. I think the message is there are many prophets. And Muslims are obliged to believe in all of those prophets without any discrimination or distinction. So a Muslim could say there are prophets we, we simply don't know about. I mean, sure, yeah. yes, of course, percent. right. Yeah. So this is very important topics because believing in prophet and the book that they receive constitute one of the principles of faith in Islam. So Muslims believe that those prophets receive revelation from God. So sometimes the Quran refers to books revealed to certain prophets using the word kitab, meaning like scripture. But at the time, the Quran specify the kind of revelation that certain prophets receive. So for instance, the word Torah is referred in the Quran as a book re revealed to Moses, or the gospel is mentioned as a book Revealed to Jesus. The Arabic word, the Arabic for, for, word gospel, for gospel course, is Injil. Is Injil right. maybe stemming from the Greek euangelion? I think that's a common uh, scholarly sure. idea. Yeah. Yeah. So just like Muslims believe in all those prophets, they also believe in the origin, the divine origin of those scriptures, pre-Quranic scriptures. So if we turn our attention then specifically to the figure of Jesus, we can see that even if he's one of this longer line of prophets, right. he's still distinguished in a number of ways. And maybe we could begin with, with the names he receives. So just to, um, to list some of those, he is referred to in Arabic as Al-Masih, right. which is probably coming from the Hebrew Mashiach or right. Messiah. Messiah, Messiah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there's some other names as well. Could you speak to us a little bit about the way the Quran refers to Jesus? Sure, yes, uh, there are names that are specifically and exclusively used for Jesus. And there are names that refer to any other prophets. So Jesus refers in the Quran as Rasulullah, meaning the messenger of God. The name that used in the Quran and referring to any other prophets in the Quran. Right? And, and the Arabic name for Jesus is Isa. There have been some disagreement among scholars concerning the origin of the term Isa in the Quran. And he is also referred in the Quran as the son of Mary, Ibn Maryam. So it appears about 23 times in the Quran, perhaps in order to emphasize his humanity, that he is the son of human being. He's Does not it mention the a son father? of God. Mm -hmm. So the Quran affirms... Does it say Mary and Joseph? Or? No, no, Joseph is absent in, in, in the Quran. So, but the Quran recognized that Jesus was born without father. Oh, so, really? Uh, yes. So, uh, we, we can talk about the, the birth of Jesus. Just returning to the issue of names given to Jesus. So, there are at least three terms used exclusively for Jesus. One of which is the one that you just mentioned, that Jesus is referred in the Quran as the Messiah, Al-Masih. Although the Quran doesn't explain what the word Messiah very, means. It's very interesting. Doesn't explain that it right. means anointed. And well, in there are interpretations among yeah. Muslims who interpret the word Messiah from to anoint, but it, it doesn't have like redemptive aspect of the term right. anoint. Right. I think that's so, uh, so in the Quran or in the Muslim understanding, so the Messiah can be understood as someone who anoint, uh, perhaps because uh, Jesus, according to the Islamic tradition, he healed the blind or the leper by 
anointing right. of those people with, with oil. Right. So that perhaps uh, one possible of course, interpretation. I mean, in the Christian tradition and in the Jewish tradition as, as well, the big question is who is the Messiah? Right. So that's, you know, it's, it's a title which has all sorts of theological concepts connected to it. So the anointing, I think, harkens back to the anointing of kings. Um, and so it's a, it's a signal of this status, whether or not you have the Christian or Jewish perspective, I think. But the Quran seems to not enter, enter into that debate. The Quran itself, right. it simply says right. one of his names is Al-Masih. Al-Masih, right. So the other two terms that are exclusively used for Jesus are one is the word kalima, meaning the word, the word of God, and the other one is the spirit from God, the, the, the ruh. So these are three important terms that are exclusively used for Jesus. Now, the question is how we can reconcile the human aspect of Jesus, that Jesus is, is just a rasul, right? Mm -hmm. Is just a messenger, yes. as well as he is the servant of God, Abdullah. On the other hand, that he is the Messiah. Yes. He is the Spirit of God and He is the Word of God. Yes. So in my reading, there could be two possibilities. Um, there could be more than, than that. One is by understanding the nature of to whom the term is used. So when the Quran used the term that Jesus is the Son of Mary, which emphasized His humanity, perhaps it used the term within anti-Christian rhetoric to deny the divinity of Jesus. Or, or maybe also, I mean, I don't know, this is speculative, sure. I suppose, but maybe there's a response also to those who denied the virgin birth. Sure. Because well, it's not normal to refer, I mean, in the Quran, it's not normal to refer to someone as a son of their mother. Well, in Christian writing in the first five centuries, when they want to refer to the humanity of Jesus, they, they refer to him as son of Mary. For instance, in the Chalcedonian formula, there's Jesus as son of Mary and Jesus as son of God. Whenever they want to signify and designate precisely Jesus as man, they say Jesus as son of Mary. Right. I mean, what does Paul say? Uh, born under the law, according to the flesh. And so that's the son of Mary's side. And actually within Christianity, Son of Mary is the term for designating the human side. You know, there's one line in chapter four of the Quran, right before the famous verse about the crucifixion that mm -hmm. we might touch on. We will. Where, where it, it says, referring to the Israelites or the Jews, it says, and as for their calumny, the Arabic word is buhtan, right. as for the calumny against Mary. And so that's, that's one item in the list of their sins or errors. Mm -hmm. And so there, there is a suggestion that the Quran is concerned with, so what is that calumny, you know? What, what was it that the Jews said against Mary? It's not against Jesus, it's against Mary, right? And it doesn't say so, but one assumes the calumny is the accusation that she conceived Jesus through some sort of illicit um, fashion. Well, there's yeah. only one, right? Yeah. Right, that, that actually the, the first point that I like to raise. On the one hand, that the Quran seems to be anti-Christian polemics. On the other hand, that we can see from the use of the Messiah, because the Quran seemed to establish that Jesus is the Messiah. So you can see there that it seemed, it seemed to me that, that the Quran tries to encounter Jews who deny that Jesus is the Messiah. So that one possible interpretation of the Quranic use 
when referring to Jesus as the son of Mary, but at the same time that he is the Messiah. The second uh, possible synthesis of these two different aspects is the, the Quranic emphasis on the humanity of Jesus can be read, I think, not as simple rejection of the Christian teaching on Jesus. Because just as Christians believe that Jesus is fully divine and fully human, or fully human and fully divine, the Quran asserts that Jesus is fully human, but also fully Christ, that he is a Christ. So there could be another possible reading, but at least these are the two things that I can think of why the Quran referred to Jesus by emphasizing his humanity, but at the same time, he referred to him as the Christ, as the Messiah, the Word of God, and yeah. also the Kalima, the, 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 the yeah. Spirit. Hold on a minute. Sure. I just want okay. to point out that Christ is Greek for Messiah. Sure. That's uh, an important clarification. Yeah, because right. when yeah. you say the Christ, you mean the Messiah, the, Messiah. the anointed one. It's yes. just Greek for the anointed right. one. Right, yeah. Important right. point. Yeah. And you really see it in the, the Arabic. That is, you, you were able to pick up what you don't pick up from the Greek term Christ, that in Arabic we have al-Masih, which you can just, you can yes. see English Messiah, but obviously yeah. behind yeah. it, the Hebrew Mashiach. Yes. Right. Right. The question of Christ's distinctiveness vis-a-vis -vis the other prophets is already seen at the beginning of his life. Right. I mean, we've alluded to this that the Quran affirms his, his virgin birth. Right. It seems to anticipate that Christians, when they advance a case for the divinity of Christ, an argument they make is his virgin birth. Mm -hmm. And the Quran says, wait a minute, um, we accept that um, he's born without an earthly father. Right. Um, and it, it speaks about, you know, exactly this happens from the divine word, but this doesn't imply in any way that he's divine, right? That's correct, yes. So I think... The That's Quran, really weird, isn't yeah. it? Like to have a virgin birth without the divinity? <laughs> well, the Quran seemed to be aware that Jesus was born under morally suspect circumstances, right? And, and, and therefore... It strives to establish the nobility of Jesus on two grounds. One is the purity of his mother, and the second one is his virgin birth. So, and therefore, it is not surprising, I guess, that the Quran devote most of its material on Jesus, perhaps more than two-thirds of its total verses on Jesus, on his origins. So it begins with the childhood of Mary and also the birth of In Yahya three, John of Damascus. Three. So yes. you have the childhood of Mary, and is that the same as the uh, Theodore-Epiphagon of James? It's very close. Oh, very yeah. close, yeah. yes. So let, let's begin with the birth of Jesus. Yes. Because given the fact that Mary was pregnant out of wedlock, it opened to accusation. Yes. that he was unchaste. Yes. Right. So the equation also includes that Jesus is a legitimate son. Yes. So the Quran seemed to counter this accusation by proving that God has purified Mary. Right. And just like in the biblical account, that, that Mary was chosen among the best women so the Quran used the term was tofaki ala nisa il alamin, that God has chosen Mary 
over all women. So although there is some you know, disagreement among Muslim scholars whether a female can be a prophet, but the Quran certainly honored Mary as the only woman it named in it. So there is no other woman named in the Quran except Mary. This so is Quran chapter 3, verse right. 42. So she's watering yeah. on being a prophet. Well, yeah, there is a, disagreement among, among, among yeah. Muslims whether, uh, yeah. whether uh, Mary is a prophet. But she's the only woman named in the whole Quran? Yes. So there is no other woman no named in the Quran. No the, the, the Eve, Hawa, is not name? mentioned by name. Yes. So yeah. the term yeah. used when referring to Eve is Zawj, meaning spouse yes. or, yeah. know, or, Just or wife. wife. Yeah. But we have, do have this scene in Quran 19 where an angel in the form of a man, right, appears right. to Mary in Surah right. 19. So there's the a Gabriel and Mary scene. I was going to ask that, but that sounded like so Bas dumb. So basically, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and he invites her to become pregnant, and she does? The question is not posed to her, although really in the Gospel of Luke, it's mm -hmm. not really posed. She just says, she volunteers, let it be done yeah. to me according yeah. to her will, right? But she's given the news that this is right. going to happen, right? Yeah. yeah. I, interesting how Mary herself responded yes. when he was told by the angel. Yes that God give her good news about, uh, it's called, the, the Arabic term, وَإِذْ قَالَتِ الْمَلَائِكَةُ يَا مَرْيَمُ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُبَشِّرُكِ بِكَلِمَةٍ مِنْهُ اسْمُهُ الْمَسِيحِ ابْنُ مَرْيَمُ Remember when the angel told Mary that God has given you good news I mean, uh, a, a, word a word from him. from him, and his name is the Messiah, the son of Mary. Yeah. And Mary responded by saying, how can I have a son since yeah, so no the, woman the, the, has the ever touched me? The incredulity is still yes. there. Yes, so that's interesting. The angel said, I didn't know that's that easy, that, that's nothing is impossible. Well, friends, this may be a good time as before we transition to the questions of Christ's miracles in the Quran to have a brief break and we'll be back in a moment. So, it seems that in the Quran, Jesus has a virgin birth, but that does not make him God. And I was surprised to learn this, and I was surprised to learn that there's even a scene with Mary and the angel, just as there is in the Christian gospel. So, But none of this makes Jesus God. And in the same way, I believe that in the Quran, Jesus performs miracles. Right. Can yes. you tell us about that? Yes, um, uh, Jesus is a medical worker in the Quran, and the Quran mentions uh, numerous miracles of Jesus especially uh, in two uh, chapters of the Quran. One is in chapter f 3, verse 49, and also chapter 5, verse 110, in which the numerous miracles of Jesus are spelled out, including miracles that are not canonical, in the sense that miracles that, that cannot be found in the canonical gospel. One of example of this is that Jesus was speaking from the cradle. When his mother, uh, after you know, giving birth to Jesus and uh, returned to, their, to her people, the people accused her of being unchaste, having 
a son uh, without, uh, uh, without husband. And the thing that Mary did was that she pointed to Jesus and then Jesus explained defending her mother. So that miracle is not mentioned or cannot be found in the canonical gospel. Of course, it can be found in the apocryphal gospel. Uh, another example of non-canonical miracles in the Quran is that Jesus create birth out of clay. Yes. So uh, there are other miracles uh, that can be found in the Bible, including that Jesus, uh, known as a healer of uh, leper, that he healed leper, uh, blind, the, the, and, and Muslim scholars uh, disagree concerning the exact number of miracles of Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, but they also mention that there are miracles in the gospel that are not mentioned explicitly in the Quran. So can, sure. we, can we go back to sure, the bird? Because yeah, the bird's really interesting. Sure. The bird that you know is alluded to. That is in the apocryphal gospels, it, isn't it? It Where is. is that? It's found in, in the Thomas? gospel. It's basically it's the infancy gospel of Thomas, yes. sometimes called the childhood of the Savior. Sure. Yes. That text, yeah, which is quite is quite early. Um, can be dated to the second century A.D. or C.E. Okay. So, and I mean, in that context, in the context of the apocryphal Christian mm -hmm. gospel, I think it's called gospel, it's not really a gospel, okay. it's just about the childhood, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. But it's meant to show the creative power of Christ, right? So just as, as God formed Adam from clay and breathed into it, so Jesus forms, I think in the, in the childhood of the mm -hmm. Savior, the Gospel of Thomas, the infancy Gospel of Thomas, it's birds, it's plural, and the Quran just right. seems to speak about one, right? Yeah. But he breathes into it, just as God breathes into Adam, and it becomes a bird. And Presumably, it flies away. I know in some of the hadith, right. some of the extra Quranic sayings, it speaks about the bird flying away, but not last, not not living that long. And right. so, the story about the birds is it in the Quran. It's in the Quran. Yeah. Both in it's in both verses that that Muni mentioned, right? Yeah. right. Three forty nine and five one right. ten. But in the Quran, in, even the word like khalaka, I think, is the verb used that Jesus yeah. uses. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. It, it almost suggests creation, right? But for the Quran, this creative power doesn't imply divinity. Right. So because the Quran uh, seemed to emphasize that Jesus did these miracles not on the basis of his own authority. The Muslim scripture repeat the phrase bi'iznillah, meaning because of the permission of God. So, and Muslim scholars also let emphasis on this to, uh, to, to make the point that Jesus did not initiate the miracles. It is because of God's permission that he was able to create the birth out of clay. So, you know, perhaps this, you know, contrast with the biblical account in which Jesus performed miracle on the basis of his own authority. It is his own initiative to do the miracles. There are at least two other things that seem to contrast between the biblical account and the Quranic account. You can, you can talk about the biblical account if you like. One is that you know, these miracles are mentioned in the Quran in order to support the authenticity of Jesus' prophethood, which is something different from the biblical account, I guess. 
And the second one is that all these miracles are mentioned in the Quran not related to his teaching or his ministry. Something also seems to at least, you know, uh, uh, different from the biblical account on, that, on the miracles. That's an important point because something we may not notice, we may ask the question, what's common between Quran and New Testament? But what is not in the Quran is also interesting, right? A lot of Jesus' discourse, conversations with the apostles, you know, like the bread of life discourse, like these long reflections, the conversations yeah. with Nicodemus, things we find in the Gospel of John, it's all not there, right? Right, right. And the Quran also does not mention the nature miracles. So something like, because we can, we walking can also... Walking on the water. Right, walking on the water or uh, calm, uh, calming the storm yes. or even, you know, changing uh, the water into wine. So those are miracles that are absent in the Quran. But I guess making the clay into living birds is close to kind of like a nature miracle. Well, you, you can, we can say that. But what, what I find interesting is that the problem of this miracle has nothing to do with his being divine because right. the Quran seems yeah. to emphasize his humanity and therefore although he performed all kind of miracles, it is because of God's permission, God's permission, not because of his own authority. So I wanted to turn our attention to another passage in a different surah or chapter, remembering okay. that the Quran is a book of 114 surahs or chapters proclaimed by tradition in the early 7th century by the Prophet Muhammad between 610 and 632. And in, in Surah 5, which is known as the Table, towards the very end of the Surah, we have a conversation between God and Jesus. And I'd like to, to read it. And one of the questions that arises is, where and when does this conversation take place? Because the text doesn't really tell us. But I want you to read it and then we could discuss. So this is verse... 116 and verse 117 of chapter 5 of the Quran. And when God will say, O Jesus, son of Mary, was it you who said to the people, Take me and my mother for gods besides God? He will say, Immaculate are you. It does not behoove me to say what I have no right to say. Had I said it, you would certainly have known it. You know whatever is in myself and I do not know what is in yourself. Indeed, you are knower of all that is unseen. I did not say to them anything except what you had commanded me to say. And then there's a quotation of what Jesus said, Worship God, my Lord and your Lord. And I was a witness to them so long as I was among them. But when you had taken me away, and we could speak about that, that's interesting, sure. They're the Arabic, lemma tuwafaitani is the Arabic, we could right. speak about that. When you had taken me away, you yourself were watchful over them, and you are witness to all things. So in this passage, and maybe we don't have to focus on the, the context because there are different theories about where and when um, God and Jesus are speaking, but we do seem to have the articulation of a position according to which Jesus is sort of a spokesman for a Quranic view against Christian teaching on himself, on Christ, right? Because God asked him the question, did you tell people, take me, that is, take me, Jesus, and my mother as gods other than God? And, of course, in a very pious way, Jesus says, immaculate are you, so it means, subhanaka, you know, and the idea is, I would never say such a thing, right? So right. Jesus seems to be positioned in an anti-Christian sort of way. Right. I, I think you are right. So looking from this passage in particular, 
that the Quranic Jesus is somehow different from the Jesus of the New Testament. So here in the passage that Jesus himself asks his followers to worship God, your Lord and my, and, and my Lord. And if you look at the, the first verses that you just uh, cite uh, concerning uh, the conversation taking place between God and Jesus, you can see there some sort of at least implicit that the Quran referred to the teaching of Jesus as something not what Christians themselves believe. If, because you can see from the conversation that God asked Jesus if he ever told people to take his mother and himself as two gods beside it's al Allah. It's almost as though God were listening in to the things Christians were saying, right? God yeah. heard that or through the angel, somehow he heard it. Yeah. And then he takes Jesus aside and he's like, listen, I've heard Christians saying these sort of things. Where did they right. get this from? Did you tell them this? Right. So, uh, so on the basis of this verse, uh, some may come with the idea that the Quranic understanding of Trinity consists not of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but rather consists of Allah, Jesus, and Mary. Because God said, have you told people, take me and my mother as to God beside Allah? Of course, they can be understood differently. Uh, at least uh, uh, there are three approaches to this claim. One is something that you may call polemical approach, uh, saying that the Quran misunderstand or misconceive the, the Christian doctrine of the Trinity. Right. And the second approach can be called apological in the sense that what the Quran criticizes is not what Christians themselves believe. And the third approach can be called historical or critical by looking at the possible interaction of the kind of Christianity that the Quran react. So by emphasizing the historical aspect, scholars can see the uh, you know, the penetration of Christianity into the Arab world in which become the background. So you mean the, the, the sort of Christians around might have had a very high estimation for Mary and right. the Quran could be responding to that sort of ver veneration, hyper-veneration, is that? It, yeah, it's, it's called hyperdulence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some scholars, you know, uh, uh, argue that in fact what the Quran criticizes is heretical teaching among those who venerate Mary, uh, and therefore, you know, this group are called Mariamiyun or the followers of Mary, and uh, you know, some also use the term Coloradians because this group of women venerate Mary, and they provide a small cake, and Greek is called Colida, and hence. Of course, you know, these are there are different theories concerning. Yeah, I mean, this. even if you don't turn to heretics, sure. you, you could still see the Qur'an in its context engaging with what we would call orthodox Christian veneration for Mary and criticizing it. I mean, that's still a possibility. But I, I think maybe we, we should continue with, with sure. Jesus' life and maybe to the end, end of his yes, life. In I'm the very interested to know what the Qur'an says about the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. I hear people tell me that the Qur'an says Jesus didn't really die. Right. 
And of course, that's a very, it's an anti-Christian slur from very early on, you know, that, that, that he did die and then the disciples pretended he hadn't died and so on, so. Yeah, I mean, the, there's nothing more controversial about the end life of Jesus, you know, other than whether he died on the cross in, in Quran, because the Quran itself is not explicit concerning this issue. Muslims universally, almost universally believe that Jesus did not die on the cross on the basis of one verse in the Quran, which is chapter 4, verse 157, um, in which the Quran says, because of their statement, perhaps referring to, uh, to Jews, that we have killed the Messiah, the son of Mary, the messenger of God. They did not kill nor crucify him. But rather, this is the tricky aspect of this verse. The, the verse says, Wolakin shubbiha lahum. This is very difficult right. you know, phrase to translate. Yeah. That's the crux of the matter. No pun intended. Right. So, what does it mean? Well, can be, can be translated as it may appear to them as so. Um, I don't know how you translate Wolakin Shubya. Yeah, something like that. That was, yeah. The, it's ambiguous, and the and, uh, as the end of or the debate over the end of Jesus' life is ambiguous. Yeah. Right. I mean, but according to some traditions, this this means that someone was physically transformed to look like Jesus. So it appeared to them so. That is, someone who wasn't Jesus appeared to them as though he were Jesus, and and that's the guy that was on the cross. Right. So Muslims it's kind of like, yeah. um, you know, what's it called in, in, in movies where you have a substitute actor? Right. So you have a sort of substitute actor for Jesus in the last scene. Yeah, yeah I mean, Muslim scholars develop, develop different theories on this. One theory... Body double. About, right. Well, one, the body double <laughs> theory. Yeah, one, one <laughs> theory even mentioned the person who was transformed into the image of Jesus, although they differ in terms of who this person was, but they have names like Judas or even Sergius as being the one who was transformed into the image of Jesus. So, but looking at the and Quran the real itself, Jesus beamed up. Jesus raised yes. uh, to God, yes. Yes. that what, um, yes. you know, the common belief among Muslims. So this is well-established belief among Muslims. And it's that in the Jesus Quran. Did not, yes, it, that Jesus did not die on yes. the cross. But the question is that the Quran refers explicitly to the death of Jesus in several verses. Yes. So including, you know... When we read, uh, one, 5, one seventeen, right? right. So when, when you... Right, when, when Jesus um, testified in defense of his mother, he said, Wassalamu alayya yawma wulitu. A peace upon me on the day I was born, on the day I died, on the day I was raised. So the Quran is very explicit that Jesus died. And there are at least three other verses in the Quran in which the death of Jesus is mentioned so explicitly. Do you think it's that Muslims have such a veneration for Jesus that they can't bear to think he died even though there are references to it in the Quran? Well, yes, 
Yes, part, part of, of, of the issue is because Jesus is one of the greatest prophets. But I don't think that Why would you the, get this the, body the double greatness theory? of Jesus I mean. has something to do with that he, is, he doesn't die. Because the Quran itself mentions that, that Jesus is no other than messenger. Right. And all messengers right. before him died. So, so even though the Quran recognized the greatness of Jesus, but this has nothing to do with him. Yeah. Well, I think we need to move, move towards the conclusion. What about the resurrection? Are there yeah. resurrection appearances? Does the resurrection, you said, you, you said that one of these, the Quran 5, was the, um, is the ascension? Yeah, where there's some allusion to the ascension in, in Quran chapter right. 4, verse 158. Right, it says, and God raised Jesus up to himself. Yeah. And so that, to some, that anticipates a return of Christ. If he ascended body and soul, then, then he will return, but in, in the end times. So tell right. me about Jesus returning in the end times. Well, the Quran also is not very explicit with regard to the return of Jesus. Although some classical Quranic exegetes detect some allusion in the Quran to this issue, uh, especially chapter 4, verse 159, uh, uh, saying, illa None of the people of the book except they would believe in him before his death, and on the day of judgment, they will become a witness against, against them. them. So some... Quranic exegete in the past believe that before his death, referring to Jesus, meaning that Jesus will come back because Muslims believe that he is still alive. So I, I want to move us towards a conclusion, and that might be a good spot to, to pivot here because there's um, something that joins Christians and Muslims together, this belief in the return of Christ, although you said, you know, the Quran seems to be a little bit ambiguous there. But we've also seen during this conversation that there's a lot that's different in the Quran vis-a-vis -vis the New Testament, almost to the point that one can ask the question, do Christians and Muslims really share a belief in the same Christ? Can, can we say that? Does this join us together? Or would you say the characters are so different because one seems to be divine, one is definitely not divine? They're overlapping bits and other bits that don't overlap. I mean, are they so different that they happen to have the same name, this Jesus in the Quran and this Jesus in the New Testament, but they're not actually the same character? Yeah, it's not so much that Christians and Muslims disagree on the significance of Jesus. They actually have different Jesuses, so it's not the same character in the two religions. Well, it seems like, you know, both the Quran and the New Testament refer to different characters of Jesus. But I think we should also point out that the Quran does not include only one aspect of Christology. There are different layers of Christology in the Quran. One is polemical, but the other seem to be closely related to the Christian belief. As I just mentioned earlier, that while Christians believe that Jesus is fully divine and fully human, the Quran explicitly said that Jesus is fully human but also fully Christ. So there are connections between the two, although the Quran seems to refer to Jesus 
differently from what the Jesus of the New Testament. Thank you so much, Munim. Thank you, Francesco. Friends, thank you for joining us. Be sure to be with us for the next episode of Minding Scripture, where divine word and human reason meet.